So as Judy's mentioned, we're in the middle of a series here at Riverside called B, all about the Beatitudes. At the beginning of Jesus' famous sermon, the Sermon uh, on the Mount, and uh, there are study guides available. Do grab one on your way out if you haven't got one, taking you through the weeks and with some extra readings and some things to explore in a, on your own or in part of your group, whatever it may be. But this is today's one. Should we read it all together? This is the Beatitude, what Jesus said to those people listening in all those many years ago and what he says to us today. Should we read this together? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I did something at the other day this week, um, which I don't recommend doing. It causes shivers to go up your spine, because I went on Mumsnet. <laughs> Mumsnet, if you don't know, is a website for mums. The clues in the title. Uh, and I particularly was interested in pregnancy cravings. That's not for any reason at home. It was just purely academic research. But I uh, suggest you don't want to do this. <laughs> it is a disturbing thing to Google pregnancy cravings on Mumsnet because it comes up with this list of all the random crazy pregnancy cravings. Here are some. One woman was talking about how she had a craving when she was pregnant to clean her teeth with soap. Mm. One woman had a particular craving for eating twiglets dipped in hot chocolate. And my own personal favourite, this one, which I'd be interested to know if anyone has tried, come and tell me how it is. Pilchards with custard. <laughs> now apparently... Pregnancy cravings, amusing though they may be, are your body, when you're pregnant, telling you that there's particular things that you need that those particular things will provide for you. Particular minerals or calcium or whatever it may be. I have no idea what pilchers and custard your body is telling you need, but apparently that is what pregnancy cravings are showing. They're all about what you need. In other words, people are hungry when they're pregnant because of something they need. When we come to this beatitude, it begins, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. We use those phrases quite a lot. I'm hungry. Several times each day we might say, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I could do with a drink. But of course what we mean is more than just, oh I fancy something, when we're truly hungry or truly thirsty, it is something we need, not just a particular sort of flavour we're interested in. And here's the question as we look at this beatitude. What are you hungry for? What do you thirst after? What is it that you think you need that is a hunger within you. A thirst that won't be quenched until you get that particular thing. Many of us in society use the word hungry as way we're hungry for success. Or we're hungry for a new challenge. We're hungry for a particular adventure. We use it as something that will uh, meet our needs. So listen to these quotes from famous people. The, the well-known author Sophie Kinsella talks about what drove her uh, to write all the books she's written. At all this time, I wasn't hungry for success. I was just hungry. That drove her forwards. Or Jay-Z, I'm hungry for knowledge. 
The whole thing is to learn every day to get brighter and brighter. It's that that drives him forward. Or as the great sage Arnold Schwarzenegger famously said, be hungry for success, hungry to make your mark, hungry to be seen and to be heard and to have an effect. We have all sorts of things we hunger for and many of the kind of voices of today say these are the things we should be hungering for. And yet... Are those things we hunger for, if we actually get them, do they quench our thirst? Do they meet our hunger? Is it like a McDonald's burger, which tastes so good, and yet 10 minutes afterwards, you're not quite sure? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. What do you hunger and thirst for? Because in that reading Stephen read to us, the Bible is very clear. God, through his prophet Isaiah, makes it very clear. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy milk and wine, he goes on, without money and without cost. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. God is saying all those hungers, all those thirsts, those strivings for success, for adventure, for those things we feel will meet our needs. Ultimately, we hunger ultimately for God. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. You who have no money, come to me, buy and eat. And so, if we come to God in our hunger... The beatitude goes on though, of course, because it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's a particular angle about our hunger. It's for righteousness. And if we're here and we're a follower of Jesus, here's a question. Do I, do you, do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? It's a powerful question, isn't it? And of course the question is, what's righteousness? (laughs) What is it we're supposed to be hungering and thirsting for? So Joseph, Jesus' father, is referred to as a righteous man. Jesus himself in Matthew's Gospel says, I have not come to call the righteous. Jesus himself says in in Matthew 6, let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. This is what he says. Seek first his kingdom, that's God's kingdom, and his righteousness. And all these other things like food and drink and so on will be added to you. Righteousness. And Jesus himself, of course, is referred to as the righteous one. Now, in the Bible, righteousness is described in two different ways. Firstly, it is described as doing what God says in his word, being obedient to the scriptures. And of course, out of that comes the second dimension, which is living in this world as God would want. Simply, righteousness is doing what God wants. And so here's the question, do I hunger and do I thirst to do what God wants? Am I desperate for that in my life? 
or am I desperate for success or whatever it may be. Great quote here from the author Jonathan Pennington describing this particular beatitude. Blessed are those whose lives are marked by hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is for God to set the world to right. This is not apparently a good state to be in. It's to be dissatisfied because of awareness of how not right the world is. And to be a place of constant longing and need for God to return and step in. Yet it's precisely those who are described as flourishing because of the great promise that this hungering and thirsting for righteousness will be satisfied. And so, therefore, if you are somebody who, when you hear news reports about something happening around the world that is just not fair or just not right, if that causes an ache within you, a hunger, that is righteous. That is a good place to be, even though it causes so much pain. Or if you have friends who you know that injustice has been done to them, and you ache, your pain for them is real, that you just don't know what to do, but it causes you deep pain, that is righteousness. Because you hunger and thirst to do what is right. If in your own life you know there's things that trap you, things that you'd love to do what's right, but there's this stuff that you can't seem to shake, and you want to live for God, but you just can't shake it off, that's a good thing to be in that position. Because you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness that is not quite there. The real danger comes in all of those things when we just don't care. Because if we're in a position of longing for righteousness, whether it be globally, whether it be issues of justice in our society, whether it be issues of righteousness in our own lives, if we're in a position of longing to be more godly, to see God break in, that is blessed. The danger comes when we don't care. And so, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And of course, if Jesus is the righteous one, it's worthwhile looking to him to describe how he summarizes what's really important in righteousness. And with that, let me read to you some of his most famous words. As somebody comes to Jesus and simply says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? In other words, we want to know what righteousness is. If it's about being obedient to the scriptures, what is the greatest? What's the big deal? What's the number one? And he says, as many of us know, Jesus replies, Matthew chapter 22, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So what, what does righteousness look like? It means hungering after God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And so then the beatitude goes on and simply says those people who are like that who long to do God's will in this world, who long to be transfixed by God, who long to see his kingdom come, who hunger for it with an ache, they're blessed, for they shall be filled. And of course, the question then is, how? How will they be filled? 
And I love this quote from C.S. Lewis in which he talks about the Christians down through history who have made the most impact in society, who have seen issues of injustice and have tried to right them, who have seen things going on in God's world that are just not right and have tried to fix them. What is it, he says? Well, this is what C.S. Lewis says. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were for those who thought most of the next. Those who know that ultimately God is in the business of righting wrongs. God will one day in the new heavens and the new earth rewrite all those wrongs. And those who get a glimpse of that knowing that Jesus himself beat death and rose up from the grave so that there is hope for all eternity that one day all those wrongs will be righted. Those people will be glimpsed and therefore have an impact today trying to right wrongs in the here and now. So they will be filled. And so therefore they will try and fill others today. But of course as I come into a close there's a challenge here for all of us. Because can I be frank for a moment? I've been around church for a little while and in church there's lots of there's kind of lots of different people with lots of different views. Generally speaking, you have churches that are passionate about justice issues now. And they may be passionate about doing all sorts of good things now. They see issues of injustice and they want to right them. Praise God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And yet, kind of on a different spectrum, you might have those who are passionate about issues of personal righteousness. Stuff in their own life and individuals' lives. Morality and all that sort of stuff. And, they, and they, they campaign for things like that. Praise God, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Sadly, often those two groups are different groups. Whereas when you strip it all back, they're both the same thing, aren't they? They're trying to do God's will. Doing what is right. Whether that be globally whether that be personally, they're both issues of righteousness. And of course, the great challenge for us all is that when viewed through that lens, we are all found wanting. Paul writes to the Romans and says this shocking verse, Romans 3 verse 10, there is no one righteous, not even one. But in Jesus, there is a righteousness available which is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 500 years ago, Martin Luther nailed his colors to the mast by nailing a thesis to a door in which he reawakened the church once again to get back to the basics of why Jesus came which is because all of us are unrighteous and yet, praise God, Jesus came not to call the righteous but came to call the unrighteous and through when he died, the righteous one on our behalf, we are able to be declared righteous before God.
That is good news, which of course then leads us then to try and bring righteousness all across the world in the things we prayed about, in the things in our circumstances, in the things amongst our friends, in the things in our society. When we see issues of injustice, we try and right them because that's what God's in the business of doing. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. May we be people then who realize our own need of righteousness, respond to Jesus saying thank you, and then do all we can to live for righteousness, both personally, globally, societally, and beyond, so that those who are broken and in chains will be set free. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen.